0: Hey, hey,
1: How's everybody doing today? It's your girl, No Mercy, here. You already know what time it is. Tuesday night, so it's time for another episode of No Punch with No Mercy. For those of you that already know, I gotta listen again. For those of you that don't, my name is Brooke Nobrook, formerly known as Brooke No Mercy Theodore. Uh, I am a retired professional WBC Lightweight Champion. Um, I also was inducted into the International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame last year. Um, I've been through some good, a lot of BS, some bad, all in this sport of women's boxing. Um, We started this platform where we talk the talk and we walk the walk. Um, My goal on this show is to bring out the truth in women's boxing. So you're going to hear from pioneers of the sport, past boxers, current boxers, even future up-and-coming boxers. But we're going to sit down with them and we're going to get you know we're going to get down dirty and speak the truth of what takes place what really happens behind the scene in women's boxing you definitely don't want to miss an episode that's for sure make sure you are liking subscribing and sharing so you don't miss an episode every tuesday um on today's show i'm sure you've already seen we have bonnie Mann, aka the queen bee in the house Bonnie is um, another very well-known female boxing champion, uh, two-time Hall of Famer. Um, Also adding to the resume now, she has her own book. Um, She has shared the ring with some very notable opponents, such as examples Holly Holm, Yvonne Reese, and Anne Sakurado, just to name a few. Please help me welcome in the special Queen Bee. What's up, Bonnie? How's it going? good. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Um, it's definitely such an honor and a pleasure to have you here with us. I mean, we've spoken over social media and stuff for years and years, but it's actually nice to sit down with you face to face and do what we do and talk about boxing.
0: Absolutely. Uh, hopefully we can get together out in Vegas this year and, and really be face to face. Yes. Yes. I missed you last year at the inductions. I was so sad when,
1: you weren't able to make it, but yes, um, Sue did invite me back, invite me back. I probably think she probably invited everybody back for the 25th anniversary. So yes, we are planning on being there. So hopefully we'll get to meet a whole lot of people this time. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so talking about you and your career, I figure, first of all, we might as well just rewind a little bit and take us back to the, like the beginning, your childhood, your upbringing and you know like what led you to boxing
0: sure uh well uh you know i was uh, born and raised in new york uh, born in buffalo uh, grew up in a, a couple of hours uh south uh east of buffalo um, in a small town and uh yeah just you know kind of very rural area um graduated from high school Went into the Marine Corps two days after I graduated high school, and uh, had some you know rough patches uh, growing up that I never talked about until I was ready to uh, write my chapter in this book, and um, and I talk about that being a member of the Me Too movement before people knew what Me Too meant. Right. Um, Yeah. So. Yeah, just uh, you know, played sports um, while I was in school. You know, I started playing. Baseball um, with the boys, first one in Steuben County in New York um, to play in the Stuben County uh, Grasshoppers, which then goes to Little League. Okay. Uh, you know, so I, I played baseball with the boys, and um, then the following year there was another girl that joined. Um, but yeah, always playing sports, yeah. every sport you think of: uh, baseball, softball, basketball. I asked to play uh, football. My mom said no. <laughs> Yeah, I think we've yeah. all probably been there.
1: <laughs> yeah, every one of us, I think everyone that I've ever spoken to, we played all the sports and we always also wanted to
0: play football. <laughs> yeah, I I did. I mean, well, but it's you know, cool. well, yeah, it's, it's just the, the fact that you know that's what the boys were all playing, and yeah. you know, I wasn't, the, I wasn't the type of person that was gonna go and play with the Barbies. No. Um, if I did get a Barbie, I was cutting her hair, so. You know, I, I just I wanted to be outside. I wanted to be active, and the boys were playing, you know, football, so I wanted to play. And you know, they'd let me play like flag football, touch football, and stuff. But I wanted to play in the teams, and uh, my mom wasn't going for that. So, yeah, yeah, I feel you there. Yeah, I
1: definitely feel you there. Um, my parents kind of lucked out because my school didn't have a football team. We were in such a small town, we didn't have football. Um, but I did try to play soccer on the all boys soccer team, but they didn't allow they didn't allow it but, you know, it was for the boys, but um, I
0: tried, I tried, but I played everything else. So yeah, Yeah. same. It was, you know, a little bit of track, which I didn't like, because I didn't really care to run, but I, um, I I did soccer, volleyball, softball, basketball, all that stuff, uh, all the way through high school, um, played in the Marine Corps. I was on the all Marine softball team and uh you have to try out for that you know the what it's equivalent to what the army has for um the world-class athlete program uh-huh. so i was fortunate to do that and uh yeah just uh, kept on rolling into sports as i you know played softball and stuff as an adult once i got out of the marine corps and then stumbled upon boxing and then there that was the next chapter of the uh Athletics, along with uh, women's professional baseball league, um, played in that for a couple seasons. So- awesome,
1: awesome. Um, I know you kind of briefly touched about um, your chapter in the book. I did read that um, when you sent it over to me. I was excited to read that. Um, if you're comfortable talking about it, I know there was some very touchy. Obviously, you kind of come. You wrote about it, so I guess you're probably okay with talking about it a little bit now. Um, But there's a lot of stuff in there that I think would really, really help so many people, um, especially coming from um, like the sports background and things that you had to deal with and overcome that you'd have some very good information to share with people. Um, When you were young, you talked about some of the traumatic experiences briefly um, when you were a child. Can you kind of, I mean, you don't have to give it all away because we don't want to tell them about the whole book, but maybe briefly touch on um, some of those things that you you had to go
0: through so other girls maybe can relate Sure. Um, so, you know, it is in this chapter of uh, uh, the book, Pulling Each Other Along, and uh, your copy will be in the mail uh, this week. Yes. And uh, so, you know, as uh, when I was about six, seven, uh, we, you know, my mom was a single mom yeah. and did what, you know, any single mom had to do, which is, you know, find sitters, yeah. And uh, unfortunately, uh, one that was in the area that lived just a couple houses down um, sexually abused both my sister and I. And, you know, we were both very young and uh, it went on for a while. Um, I never, ever spoke about it. Um, but just, I, I, you know, I can't tell you why. I, I just think that's just how innate what was inside of me was. I never looked at myself as a victim. Uh, um, right. I always kind of knew, you know, it wasn't me doing anything wrong, which I, I, I know that a lot of, you know, people who do suffer abuse at the hands of someone else, you know, think it's something that they've done, which, right. you know, most of the time, it obviously that's not the case. Um, but i never let myself be a victim i you know although growing up back in the day where it was like you just really didn't talk about things you just kept on going about life i never shared that with any of my family uh, until i was about 40 years old and um even then i did not tell my mom um only because she had dementia it you know it just kind of wasn't it never became the right time Um, and it wasn't going to change any it wasn't going to change the outcome it wasn't going to change anything what had happened no. that far back. Um, no. so, um, I, uh, you know, when it happened, um, you know, obviously when you're only six, seven years old, there's not a lot you, you're, you can do to someone who's a, a, a grown, you know, 19, 20, 21 year old male. Right. Um, anyway, the events happened. I do go out and publicly speak about it now. Um, at colleges, at schools, um just talking about how to overcome obstacles and how to not let certain events like that defeat you, because right. you are not, you are not uh, the person you are based on what happened to you. Right. You are the person you are based on how you respond to that and move forward. And, exactly. and um, you know, I, I, I tell, and, and I encourage most, most of the time, believe it or not, when I do speak at uh, schools and colleges, it I always have a lot of females that will come and talk to me, but the very yeah. first one I ever did at a university, it was a, a young male that said he had the same experience. And it was very interesting. I w- I was shocked. Um, yeah. I was actually moved to tears because he was crying, you know, and I just encouraged him to, you know, go speak to someone, find someone yeah. on campus, find a counselor that you can trust that you can talk to and and start, you know, dealing with it. To me yeah. What I've learned, obviously, throughout all of these years is that it wasn't a burden that I needed to be carrying and should have never carried. Right. Uh You know, people can get out there and, and if you are a, a victim, you know, find someone to talk to. And it may not be an actual therapist. It, it could be, you know, a friend of the family if you're not comfortable telling your family. It could be just a friend. It could be, you know, it could be a teacher. It could be some, anybody. Anybody, uh, yeah. But it really, to me, I feel that it's important that individuals understand that they need to talk about it and they, so that they can start to process the events that happened and uh, continue on to, you know, have and live their life. Yeah.
1: And try to, try to move forward um, the best that you can. But yeah, if you keep it bottled up, you're definitely going to have trouble moving from that time in space and moving forward because you're going to always be stuck there if you don't talk about it and try to get yourself comfortable with moving on. And definitely at that age, hundred percent, nothing that you done you could have done wrong or you could have prevented for that matter, um, being six years old. And you didn't even at that being that young with kids, that young, that that stuff happens to, um, they can't even, you can't even digest what's happening or you don't even understand the concept of what's happening um let alone know what to do about the situation because you pro- at that time you don't even know if it's right or wrong right because you're six years old you don't even know you're just thinking i trust this person and if they say it's okay well then i guess this is what i'm supposed you know i'm supposed to be do- you don't even
0: you can't even comprehend it at you that can't com- you can't comprehend it and when it's someone who you've known uh you know in your yes. neighborhood and you trust y- you just don't know that it's not something that's supposed to be happening and you know, when I was writing this, my part for this book, I really, one of the things I did struggle with was I knew that I was getting ready right to cross that line where this individual's family, yeah, if they read this, they were going to know now he's no longer alive. Um, he passed away, but you know, just saying it was a, he, anyone that knows me, we're in a very small town and my mom was a server at a restaurant for 26 years everyone, you know, knew her, loved her. They, they're going to know who it is. And the person's not mentioned by name. You know, I I don't do that. Um, but there are certain people that are absolutely going to know. And, and I only talked to one person in my family, which was my aunt about this. And because I, I really didn't know if I should address it with the family. Right. And say, listen, I, I don't, blame any of you i don't hold any of you accountable there's no ill will because this had nothing to do with them this was yeah, all about one person didn't even know yeah they didn't even know right um but at the end of the day um you know we my aunt myself you know we decided you know what i'm just i'm going to write about it it's it's my right to do so yeah um, you know, if, if they have an issue, they can either come in and talk to me about it and address it with me privately. Um, and, and I've not had, I've not had that they've not reached out to me, but I do know the family, a couple of the family members and, um, you know, it's, it's not been an issue, but it was just something I, I had to do. That was, that was for you. Yeah, that that was was for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't even about him at that particular time or. Um, letting people know what he did. It was more so release, you know, releasing that from you and letting it off your chest.
0: Yeah. Um, It was just
1: telling my truth. Yeah. Telling your truth. Nothing more than that. Um, And then I know from there um, you briefly, and I'm assuming that the two are connected when you um, were struggling with some depression and the alcohol. And I'm sure that's due to that issue. I'm assuming
0: is where that came from. Right. Well, you know, I haven't dove into it that far to know if really that was part of it. I, I'm assuming probably some to yeah. some degree, but as it turns out, uh, my grandfather was an alcoholic, which Uh-oh. he died of cirrhosis from the liver, and I, I never met him. He died when I was six months old. Okay. Um, I was stationed I'm over. i family. Yeah, and I, you know, and it the, from the research I've seen and I've read, it can tend to jump a you know a, a generation, which would make uh-huh. sense. Um, it, it, bypassed my mother, um, and my aunt, um, landed right in my lap, but I never knew that because I was, you know, in high school, I was always playing sports. I didn't, you know, yeah. it wasn't really around alcohol or anything. Then I got stationed in Japan where there's no age limit and started right. hanging out with everybody else. And to me, it was just, oh, this is what we're going to do. And this is good. And it was fun It becomes and, normal, and it became, like, yeah. but it, for me, it became a problem. And, um, you know, when you're going out almost every day and, and of course that again, though, that's what many were doing and it was normal to them. Right. For me, it just became a problem, you know, stumbling downstairs backwards, you know, ending up in a hospital. Um, and I, and I put myself into rehab, um, at 18, partly because I knew after talking to a commanding officer that if I volunteered to do that, it wouldn't come up on my records. And right. I wanted I wanted to try to grab a hold of this and figure out what was going on. Um, and did a, it was nine months, uh, or six months. Sorry, I think it was six months. Um, but did the course, you know, and I, I admit I was the first one to like, yep, there's a problem. I don't understand it completely, but I need to to deal with this. And it's right. not say I've had a perfect record, you know, my entire oh, life. Yeah, nobody um, has. Well, because there was times that I thought, oh, I, you know, I, I was that person that thought, oh, well, I can, I've done like a year, I haven't done any, touched any alcohol, I'm good. And then you start in and you realize, and I finally got to where, you know, in, you know, 20, 15 years ago that I'm like, no, I can't um, yeah. go ahead and just dabble a little bit here or there because it'll become habitual. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, non-issue. Yeah. And, but it just, you know, everyone deals with things in their, their own
1: way. Exactly. Exactly. They sure sure do. Um, uh, so you can briefly talked about the Marine Corps. I'm an army veteran, so we're, you know, little battle buddies there. So that's awesome. Thank you for your service. Thank you for Um, yours. Thank you. Um, so I did army, you did the Marines Two little bit different, little different, uh, camps there. Um, But tell us about your experience in the Marine Corps, because there's tons and tons of people that always ask me about boot camp and how it was. And uh, my husband, that's where I met him in the in the military. Um, We have two totally different stories. Uh, We both have completely different opinions, which everybody has their own personal opinion on their experiences. But tell us about the Marine Corps a little bit, because I'm sure people
0: ask you all the time. They do. I, I actually was just at the ER with my son yesterday, last night um, for hours. And I happened to sit right next to a guy who was a Marine veteran um, in Vietnam. And we talked for three hours about our experiences. So again, generationally, it's it's very different. Um, you know, I went in and uh, we were the, our, our platoon was the very first female platoon to train with a weapon during boot camp back in 1985 uh, with the m16a2 and they wanted to see you know uh could women train with them and that become a part of their normal training cycle and we successfully completed that and to this day it that's the way that it is um but i went in uh two days after i graduated out of high school and um i was in for eight years um I loved just being physical, being an athlete. I loved boot camp, um, but I will tell you, I went down with two buddies from high school. We we went in together because I was on delayed entry when I was a junior in high school, and the guys they were on the we were on the bus uh, driving to Paris Island, and they the DIs for the men got on there just screaming, and I and at that moment I'm like, oh my god, what have I done? Yeah, um, but yeah. I, knew, I I knew enough to like just. Okay. Keep your mouth closed. Just do what you're told to do. Oh, I was the opposite. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was, as a kid, as you know, as a kid, I was very shy. I was such an introvert. I didn't really like come out of my shell probably until, you know, 10 years after I was out of the Marine Corps. Um, but I, um, I enjoyed it. Um, I wanted to reenlist. And I had a weight waiver because I, you know, I was working out lifting all the time, playing sports. But my commanding officer, uh, where I was at, on my second uh, duty, my second duty base, because the first duty base was Japan. Second one was, was uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And uh, he didn't like the fact that I played sports. He didn't like the fact that I got to um, play softball for, you know, two or three weeks out of the year. Um, and he was like, nope, if you can't, this was a one week before I was supposed to re-enlist. He said, if you can't get down to your original weight, I don't care what kind of weight waiver you have. Um, you can't re-enlist. And I just looked at, I was like, well, there's no way I'm going to make that, you know, in one week. So yeah, I I guess I'll go ahead and get out. And that's what I did.
1: Yeah. (laughs) amen.
0: But yeah, meant- the Army, the, it's funny because um, my schooling, I was a 1345, which is heavy equipment operations. Okay. My schooling was at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, which is an Army base. That's where I went to boot camp. Yeah. Well, the Marine Corps and the Army didn't get along when we no, go. we did not. Yeah, no, not at all. It was no. funny. We, and, you know, for females, though, it was kind of funny, at least from what my experience. Like, we were looking at the guys going, like, what is your problem? Like, stop. Yeah. and the guys were just like bashing yeah. heads and i mean, we'd go out and we'd all get a hotel room right off base and have the weekends out there and at least every other time get kicked out of the hotel because the guys were just being knuckleheads i'm like seriously yeah. like come on now
1: yeah i remember in fort Wood, that's like one of the only bases where the army and the marines are on the same base and like we used to cross paths all the time like when we would go to for chow and different stuff and yeah, I, I can remember it vaguely. I got along with some of the Marine Corps people that were there. Um, some of them are pretty cool. Some of them not so much. Didn't really like the other branches, but I really didn't care. I thought we were all fighting together. It didn't matter to me what you were.
0: Well, um, and that, that was me. I'm like, are we, aren't we really kind of all on the same team here? Yeah,
1: we are. But, you know, there the whole rivalry of which one's better and who does what and it don't matter. We all work together. If we actually went to war, we would all be together. Anyway, we would all become one, so like right. it's not even worth that battle to me. We're all we're all battle buddies, if you ask me. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I had a totally different experience with the army, but that's just my personal. I went in with a with someone also, um, and that just became a big problem for me with the drill sergeants. The only thing I really didn't like was basic. I no problem with any of the physical stuff whatsoever because I was very athletic. Um, them being in my face and and spitting on me and yelling at me. And it was very hard for me to hold my tongue. So that's where we clashed. Um, so which makes it worse. It makes it worse. So anybody that's thinking about enlisting out there, learn to hold your tongue or don't go.
0: Yeah. If you can't, I I tell people now I'm like, you know, I think it's great if you want to go in and, and serve our country. I'm like, but you know, you think you can do what you want and say what you want. Trust me. You're not doing that. So, you no. either got to get that out sorry. of here now or yeah. don't even bother. You're going to definitely be sorry. Uh, I can
1: tell cool. you from experience. So, uh, just bite your tongue. Bite your tongue. Um, so, from there, after I know you, you also boxed in the Marines, correct? So, no. no. Okay. But nope. right after the Marines is
0: when you got into boxing. So, tell us how you got into boxing. So, the way I got into boxing, which actually was Quite a ways after I got out of the Marine Corps. I still was playing softball, a um, couple different travel leagues. I was playing 24 um, 7 in North Carolina. I stayed, I remained in North Carolina for a long time, about 26 years. And um, that's when I also played uh, when A League of Their Own came out, yeah. the movie, it re resurrected the women's baseball league. So I played a couple yeah. uh, seasons there. Um, and then it got to be where it just wasn't all that fun anymore. I was on a very competitive team and I had gotten to the point of where I was really, you know, I mean the rotation in my right shoulder. Cause I, I'm pure sidearm. Yeah. So Stop third base and, yeah, it was, and so it, too, so. yeah. And it just became, um, kind of painful to play, to be honest with you. And it was just got to where. I wasn't ha- and I've always said, if I got to where I was not having fun, then I, I just really wasn't going to continue to do something. Right. And I, I got to that point. So I, I stopped for, I, I stopped playing. I made that decision. I got into a gym just to work out, spent about a year, thought I wanted to get into bodybuilding and I was doing really well because because I could put on size pretty easy. Um, yeah. but then I was just like, okay, this, um, one I'm bored and it wasn't all that challenging for me anymore. I just, I don't know, I was looking for something different and I went ahead, interviewed for a job, uh, with a moving company. And the president of the company said, you know, asked me a question, which I thought was kind of unique. He goes, well, what do you like to do for fun? You know, I've just never had like a president of a company just ask me like, what do you like to do for fun? Right. And I said, well, you know, honestly I'm just looking for something different to do because, um, I'm in the gym, and I'm a little bit bored, and I used to play softball all the time, and he goes, I'll tell you what, if you take the job, he goes, we've got a contract packer here, and she's named in my book, it was my first experience into boxing, he goes, her name's Teresa Arguello, and she used to box out in California um, in the uh, 80s and 90s, late 80s and early 90s, I'm like, oh, okay, or 80s, yeah, and so I took the job because I interviewed for one down in Florida as well for the same position, but I took the one in North Carolina. And so about two weeks later, he introduced me to her, and she said, "Well, you want to learn how to box? You want you want to try a workout?" And I said, "Sure." She was "Well, meet me yeah. in the warehouse." In the so warehouse, in North Carolina, hotter than H- you know Hades. It's uh, right in Raleigh. Yeah. And she, and she's like, "Come on!" So she had a pair of gloves. She put she put gloves on me. We did about 20 minutes of a workout. That was it. The next yeah. day, I was so sore I couldn't so hardly sore. move. And I said, "I just want to know more." Yeah, and, and um, that just kind of started the whole love affair with boxing for me. Yeah, I I, I can
1: relate to that so much because I can remember my very first um, my very first serious boxing workout. Um, I got into boxing after the army, um, but yeah, I can remember the very first one. And the, the day after being so sore, but the day after that, like barely being able to move. Yeah. And, I, and I had played just like you, literally every sport there is. I played competitive softball as an adult. I played all of them in, in high school. And it was literally the most brutal sport for a full body workout there is. So I always tell everybody, if you're looking for a full body workout, even if you don't want to compete, one, it's good self-defense. And two, you literally work head to toe. And all you got to do is like, hit the mitts, hit the bag, like your whole body you're going to hurt in places you didn't even know possible could hurt. And it's not a lie. Like I'm serious. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Uh, Mad Chad sports. Welcome in. He says, yay. Boxing greatest sport on earth. Well, we agree. Yes, with Chad. We agree. We hundred percent agree with you there. Welcome in. Thanks for joining us today great story he says we're, we're only a partially in there chad stick around we just started um so did you so i know um i had a few things issues or whatever but did you have any issues with finding coaching trainers that you know in the male dominant sport uh, not wanting to work with females did you have any issues getting a good trainer I, you know
0: i i wouldn't say that i had as much of an issue finding trainers as I had an issue finding the right trainer for me um, to have that good fit. And that's, that is not to take away from, you know, I, I trained, uh, Harold cook, cook, coach cook. And and some of these guys were even a part of the team, even, you know, here and there in between, after I got with my full-time coach, which was coach Anthony Bradley, who was a army army, uh, as we say army brat as well. Army brat, yeah. But uh yeah, he was in for 24 years and of course he uh was part of uh the coaching staff for the men's US Olympic boxing team for three Olympics. And so I feel very blessed and that was just by way of uh my best one of my best friends Paul Marinaccio who's a boxer. Um but you know, I had Harold Cook and and before Harold I had another gentleman that was in Durham, North Carolina and you know, he was To me he was kind of trying to make me into something i wasn't instead of taking what i had my length because i i have gorilla arms my arms are longer than most men's um he's trying to make me an inside fighter which you know wasn't comfortable for me especially when i was just learning that's Um, my biggest pet peeve
1: with coaches that is like my biggest pet peeve
0: And, and that's, I always tell people, and especially when I'm working with boxers now, I'm like, look, I'm not trying to make you who I want you to be. I'm trying to make you the best version of who you are Are, and and work on your weaknesses and increase your strengths because, you know, why am I going to try to, when you've got arms that are six foot long, why don't I make you Mike Tyson? I'm not going to do that. I, yes, I
1: personally worked, uh, with some coaches and I mean, they wanted me to be what their style and that that they trained one style and that was not me. And and, you know, they try to force it. And so, yeah. Um, that is to, to this day, my biggest pet peeve with coaches is trying to force someone to be someone they're not, you have right. to let them show you what they can do already. And then you just build on their strengths and you add to it. And right. that will make for a phenomenal fighter. If you change them, they're never going to be comfortable, and it's just not going to work in the long run. It might work temporarily, yeah, but it's not going
0: to work long term, right? And and so yeah, so you know, to your point, um, I went through you know a couple trainers. Um, I, I when I was started out as an amateur, I had uh, walked into this one gym that looked like it was should have been condemned and and probably really was, but we were all in there anyway. And they just it was right when they saw christy martin on the cover of sports illustrated and they so they see a female walk in they're like oh and literally two weeks after i stepped into that gym my first time ever because i was with treese arguello but she kind of got me ready and we did some stuff but we hadn't gotten into the usa boxing amateur uh circuit yet and um and then she ended up having to step back because her her fiance at the time wanted more time with her. And, you know, she was spending a lot of time with me to get me ready. Yeah. So I, when I walked into this other gym, just trying to look for a place to work out and it's the only place I could find, um, you know, they just kind of saw dollar signs. So the very first amateur bout that I had in North Carolina, which was two weeks after I stepped into that gym was, was down in Wilmington, North Carolina, and it was Deirdre Fabian. And she had just won, I think it was a silver at the Georgia state games. She had just come back from that and that was my very first bout and i mean it was it was a rough uh intro yeah. to boxing it was my first fight i came down my arm my hands were really were down like this coming across and i heard the uh the crowd going go deidra kill her and i'm like kill her like isn't this like just like a, like what are you talking about kill her i'm isn't this is a sport <laughs> I'm like, like, oh, calm, down. calm down, calm yeah. down over there. And, and, but not kidding. I go across like this. She's, she's very well coached and trained and she sees it and she just comes across and I'm just inching kind of over and she, yeah. she sprints and runs right, a right hand, right to the, and it just, everything was black. Yeah. And I, I mean, I survived cause that was kind of my MO. I could, I was tough. You could hit me. It was going to take a lot. And, um, and I won't. I wasn't gonna quit on my own, no, ever. And uh, the second round, they finally threw in the towel, and I was like, "Thank God, thank you," because right, I, like, thank you because I could not do that myself. I couldn't do it myself, and she was going, she was about ready to kill me, and she's like yeah. four inches shorter than I was. I'm like, but I mean, I just I didn't know anything.
1: You're brand new. I, it's so funny. I'm sitting here like cracking up inside because we have a very similar like start <laughs> to women's boxing because my very first gym that I went to, um, love him to death, just coach Jesse Torres. Um, he was a fighter too, but Mexican style. Um, that was the very first gym I walked into when I got out of the service um, and went back to Illinois. And I could just remember immediately throwing me in for sparring with all these like young Mexican boys. And um, you know, there's, you know, the style. Um, so I mean, I learned that was going to be my style regardless because I was just the bulldog fighter but two Mm -hmm. weeks after I started training they had the Chicago Golden Gloves and he's like oh we need to put you in the gloves and I'm like okay cool yeah I mean I don't know much but sure well I didn't know there was a difference between novice and open and like all the different divisions because I didn't know shit about boxing at the time and he's like yeah we're going to put you in the open division you don't want to fight those novice girls like you will just you just whoop up on them like I'm like whatever coach like I mean I don't know whatever you say so like he made me this book like he because you got to have fights to fight in the open division right yeah and I can remember at that time I was fighting at 138 I obviously went way down after that but I was started out at 138 and I can remember because I'm only 5'4 and the girl first girl I went into fight was six like 6'2 like a tree and when we walked to the ring and I saw her on the other side and I'm like, that's not like, who, that's not who I'm fighting. She's like a damn skyscraper. And I five, four. And they're like, yeah. And then, so then I see the books. Cause you know, they got the books sitting right there. She had like 60 something fights. Uh-oh. And I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing. I've been in here two weeks. I mean, I got, I'm, I mean, I, whatever, I'm not going to quit i won the fight just because i stayed in her face like i she didn't have a chance to set up and i was in her chest the whole damn time but i'm telling you i look like i got hit by a bus afterwards with right. the bruises and stuff um but
0: hey i guess sometimes you just throw them into the shark and then you either sink or swim right and 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 like you same way with me i mean we swam and we yeah. kept our head above wet water sometimes barely but you know yeah. I I, so after that first, very first amateur bout, um, the very two weeks later, there was one in Greensboro, North Carolina and at the gym that it was at, it was a gym ran and owned by Cheryl Nance who had fought or, well, later on went to fight Christy Martin and you know, a bunch of others. And so we're up there and who's my opponent again this time Deirdre Fabian two weeks later, same girl. I'm like, holy jeez. like what?
1: I'm like, is is this this really how
0: this, is this really how this goes? Like, so do I have her fight anybody else? Yeah. Is there no one else in North Carolina? Like there's gotta be some other girl somewhere. And I think it was like at 147. So I fought her and this time we went three rounds or we went the distance, you know, and, and it was a much better fight. And right after the fight, Cheryl came up to me and she said, listen, I'm not trying to, she was, first of all, it took guts to get back in there against the girl that, you know, basically with right. my tail the right. first time, cause she was there with her team down in, in Wilmington. And uh, she goes, but you know, who are you working with? I said, well, I'm really just kind of on my own, but I mean, I'm with these guys cause I I don't know anybody else. And she goes, well, if you want to come up here and just see what we've got, you know, just, I'm not trying to pull you for anybody, but you know, at least we could get you some more work. So I started traveling from Raleigh to Greensboro, which was quite a distance and eventually longs story short um after two more i think it was like two more fights um i i was 0 and four i'm like we're like well let's go out to the us nationals it was the women's first us nationals out in yeah. california and i'm like why not so as an 0 and 4 fighter went out there i'm like at least we get so, i can get some more experience yeah and see what's out there and i you know ended up winning the bronze nice uh, and then the following year won the bronze again at 154. Um, but I mean, I look at all the girls that were, you know, fighting back then um, as amateurs and, you know, many of them went pro yeah. um, so, some didn't, but like Dakota stone and yeah. uh, you know, all those girls. Um, I still have a shirt somewhere. that has got all their names, Jamie McGrath and, and, uh, it's kind of fun to go back and look and see all that have, you know, that went on and did more in the sport. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So Yeah, was
1: Yeah, lots of girls that um I was amateur with went pro, lots of them.
0: Um
1: which was nice. Nice to see them. Um okay, over here in the chat, let me real quick cuz we got Angie um Angie Passmore is an amateur fighter that I met at the Hall of Fame inductions. Um, she nice. will be there again this year. So you'll get to meet Angie. Angie is wonderful. Um, she said, hey, ladies, lovely, loving the story. Boxing is the best sport on the planet. I did all the sports too, but boxing was the best. You got it, Angie. Absolutely. Um actually, Yes. Texiana Cobb levels to this. There is definitely levels to this for sure. Um, you weren't a woman's boxing fan until you listened to both of us must, much, much respect warriors. Well, we appreciate you then because we like to turn everybody into women's boxing fans because women's boxing is awesome.
0: It sure is So stick
1: around and join us every week. Cause we have a different, uh, amazing fighter on here every week. Um, okay. So moving on from there, you got the medals and the, and then, and then what was the deciding factor to
0: go pro? Uh, well, I had an asthma attack training for another amateur bout. I was running sprints, had an am- asthma attack. Um, luckily, in that part of uh, in Greensboro, there was a a fire station with an ambulance just thirty seconds down the road. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. And well, thanks for that. Yep. And so I ended up uh, having to go to. Duke University Hospital, Duke Hospital, to have a lot of tests and stuff done. I was off for over a year trying to get my lungs back and stuff. And at that point, really, it was a decision of what am I going to do because of my age? Uh, you right. know, I was, gonna, I was At that point, I was going to have to go master's. Um, there wasn't really master's back at that point like there is now for women. Right. Um, and it was hard enough as it was back then to get bouts. You had to travel all over the country, much yeah. less you know try to do as a as a a masters so i just made the decision to go pro at that point and uh then kind of did the same thing the o4 0 for, 0 for, 0 and o4 before going on and and winning i think it was nine after that including the first world title yeah. um and you know i think it, i think it, especially with boxing it just it's about persistence and yeah. and uh you know, if it's what's in your heart to do, you, and you just got to dig in deep and go for it, and, and you know, that's—I know you did that. I—I've done that. A lot of the women that came up during our time, yeah, um, you know, and, and like you, uh, Brooke, and, and yeah. myself, um, you know, there's a lot of us like Yvonne. We didn't have the same support like they do now, and like some people, like Christy, you know, mm-hmm. Christy and Lucia Riker, Christy Martin, Lucia Riker, and Wolf they had they all had a lot more backing yes um you know and and that's not that's nothing against them because no. you know they, they're fan they're amazing athletes and and yeah. amazing champions um but for the, the rest of us i mean we didn't get that we all got the calls we'd get the yes. calls we got the calls for ann wolf yeah um, you know i got the call for mia st john i got the call for you know all these girls laura ramsey and it was either, you know, it was always a a B side, which, you know, I don't care. I, cause my goal is always to go out there and win. I don't, I don't care how you're looking at me when you're putting me in there. Right. Um, but you know, um, you know, and Christie and I got a raw deal. We were going to fight at the Richmond Coliseum in uh, Richmond, Virginia as the headliner uh, main event. Hector Camacho Jr. was the co-main event. And you know, when you talk about the downside of boxing, you know, it was a, a female promoter who didn't know what she was doing. You know, she, I think, I feel like she probably had good intentions, right. But when you don't sell tickets you and you, you're not doing the right things, don't have the right people backing you, you know, she started in on this promoter started in on trying to play the blame game and you know, she didn't realize that like Christie's team and, and us, you know, we were talking and yeah. the, the lines she was feeding was a bunch of BS. And we right. called him out on it and called the commission on it. And and lo and behold, they tried to still have the fight. They, they we had signed like three months prior to that the contract for the fights. And it right. was gonna be it was gonna be a fight for an NABF. Um, yep. and then from there, obviously the winner would go on, have a, a chance WBC. for the WBC. Yeah. And uh, so we were all excited about it. Christy had like three busloads of people already tickets already sold. I had a ton of people cause it wasn't that far of a drive from North Carolina. So had a ton of people coming. It wasn't a lack of us and they tried to, you know, say that Christy was asking for too much money. I knew that was crap cause I knew what Christy generally made and yeah. what she was going to make for this fight. And we all made concessions. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so we we ended up having to get you know threatened to have you know lawyers involved and stuff and said look you're not gonna you know you can't put this fight on unless you have us on the card because we've signed the contracts and they still up until the last day the day before the the fights they already tried to change the venue to a smaller venue they bumped hector camacho jr up to the main event pulled us off the card and ultimately they, they couldn't do the fight because they still didn't have enough tickets sold or, you know, the money to back it. And it, it fell through and they had to cancel it. Um, but you know, when you talk about the dirty side of, of the business, I mean, that's it. Yeah. You know, pointing fingers at other people when, you know, the fighters, we just wanted to fight. There was, there was yeah. nothing on our part, nothing, no. no. you know, except, except blame. You, you didn't pull it off that, you know, things happen. That's fine. But don't, don't try yeah, to don't make excuses and try to blame somebody else because it just. And, didn't and work. don't don't try to you know discredit Christy or myself or anybody else because yeah. it was ne- neither one of us. No, no, you, you guys just wanted to fight. You didn't care
1: about anything else. So right, yeah, that's that's definitely one one dirty side of the women's boxing for sure. Um, Mad Chad, all my favorite boxers had a loss or losses. A very dirty business in boxing. Yes, it is, Chad, and that is why we have this show because. Um, there are so many people out there that do not know the BS that we had to deal with as women in boxing. It's, it's on the men's side too, don't get me wrong. Um, but it's way worse on the women's side, uh, especially for the pioneers and the past boxers before today's era. Um, nobody knows the truth in women's boxing and all the BS that we all had to individually deal with. Um, and I felt like it was time that even the fighters of today really understand what we all went through to get it to where it is today because they don't have n- nobody has a clue because we never talked about it nobody yeah. ever talked about it nobody wanted to talk about the bs they dealt with nobody want to talk about the scams they dealt with nobody want to throw anybody under the bus and not get fights you know nobody want to talk about that shit because then you're like hmm if i say something wrong i'm not going to get a fight at all Nobody want to make excuses or people have people saying, no, you're just making excuses. Um, but I felt like it was time, you know, we've all been we retired long enough at this point. Don't really care what anybody thinks, but I feel like people need to know the truth uh, so they can really understand how bad it was for some of us. Um, well, and and the, and that's
0: the, yeah. And that's just it. Right. I mean, you know, I'll give you, you know, two quick examples. I'll, the second one I'll save, which is Ann, Ann Wolf and, and them calling me about that one. But the first one is. My very first pro fight, I got a call, um, to fight Nikki Epleon out in Lexington, Kentucky, and I'm, yeah, I I didn't have a a coach. I didn't, I was just in transitioning from the one person I was working with to not having anyone yet. But I'm like, my mentality was if I don't get out there, if I don't get in the ring and people don't start hearing my name, I'm never going to get a chance. I'm never going to get an opportunity. Right. So I took it, I had to drive, I think it was like eight and a half hours, drove by myself, um, got out there, they put me in this hotel that was so disgusting. Um, I had to go to the Target, buy stuff to clean the hotel room. Oh Lord, yeah. So I could stay I, there. Yeah, I've right. been in one of those. And yeah. then I go to the weigh-in, I don't see Nikki anywhere. No, Nowhere. I've been there too. Yeah, and I and and be, being my first pro fight, like I didn't even know what what was what. I didn't know what was supposed to happen, how it was supposed to happen. I had this UNC uh, hoodie on. I had this other guy come up to me and he's like, "Oh, I like your hoodie." Um, he goes, uh, "He just asked me where I was from." I told him, and he goes, "Well, who's working your corner?" I said, "I have no idea." I'm like, "I'm here by myself," and. <laughs> He goes well i'll work it for you if you need someone to work he goes i'm here to watch some other fighters out of ohio and i'm like okay um turns out he's a world champion that ended up working my corner i didn't know that till afterwards nice but yeah i i got i lucked out but i got on a scale i was like one one and a half pounds under the weigh-in weight yeah. which was 154. well she was 27 pounds heavier they announced her weight while we're standing in the ring getting ready to fight, I was like, "Okay, this is Kentucky Commission for you, I guess." And we fought. Now she had knocked out all of her opponents prior to that within the first round, and she was a southpaw. I had no idea what to do with a southpaw. No. And about the second round, uh, she cl- she thumbed me not not on purpose, but she thumbed yeah. me. And I was seeing three of her and they, they just told me Michael, it was Michael Clark. He was a lightweight uh, world champion. He goes, just throw your punches straight. Just keep throwing your punches straight. And that's all I could do. Yeah. But we, I, we ended up, uh, that was the first time anyone took her the distance. And then i be, I actually went out and then went out one time to be a sparring partner, to help her try to get ready for uh, Layla when she fought Layla Ali, but um, man, I was mad. That, I mean, it was, yeah. it's crap like that that back in the day happened to us all the time. Yes, that happened
1: to me as well. Um, yeah, when I fought Janine Garcia and she never weighed in at all, you know, uh, and she was way bigger than me. But I had people that had bought tickets and drove all the way out to see the fight, and I was like, there's no way I'm not fighting. I didn't even see her till we did the ring walk, till she walked out into the ring. She never even was at the weigh in or anything. Um, and I mean, you could just tell she was twice as big as me when we stepped in the ring. Um, that and then um, the metal knee brace that she used to wear. Um, that was another problem that I and I had. But that's a whole nother day for a whole nother story. But yes, just to, to reiterate, I have been in the exact same scenario with the weigh-in shit. And, you know, we were young and dumb and I wanted to fight anyways. And I thought, you know... I had people that came all the way there to watch the fight. So we're not backing out of this. I no. don't care about that. Um, but yeah, that was a whole hoo-ha. So, but yeah. that's my story.
0: Yeah, and but, I, I mean, you know, I, I driving back home after the fight the next day. I was like, man, what was I thinking? But at the same time, I mean, I knew what I was thinking. I, would, I needed to yeah. get an out there. And the calls yeah. did start coming because yeah. no one had gone the distance gone with the distance. it until yeah. that point. So they're kind of like, well, who's this? and so i mean it served its purpose yeah Um, probably not the smartest move but it just was what it was back then you know and and then get calls from like to, to fight Ann wolf well little did they know i had sat at a at that point i had sat um down in florida after one of my fights um on an all women's card and it's when i fought yvonne and i'm sitting there watching her fight Marsha Valley Marcia and I watch I watch Anne do an uppercut like this and watch Marsha Valley's feet both at the same time come off of the the canvas. yeah and I was like, holy crap And I talked to Ann afterwards that night for a while um, super sweet and uh, then I get the call. I don't even know it was probably a year couple years later. And you want to know if I'd fight Ann wolf. And I was like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll fight her. Um, the weight was right. I think it was going to be like around 160. Um, and then they told me what they wanted to pay. I was like, look, you saw what she did to Vonda Ward. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to turn it down. Divine award. Right. I'm like, I'm not going to turn it down. I, I don't turn it down for anybody, but come on. I mean, you want to give, you want to throw $3,500 and think that I'm th- going to think that's a good payday against Ann Wolf. Right. I'm like, no, I'm putting my life on the line, getting in there with her. I said, but I'm not, I'm not afraid to get in with her, but I'm not doing it for peanuts. Right. And of course, when I, I told my I, I, this, at this point I was with Anthony coach, Anthony Bradley, I told him what they were offering. He's like, "Nope." And I said, "Oh no, I already told him no." I said, "I, I said I will if you make the money right." Right. I'm like, it was For a sure six round fight. That. I think it was six rounds. I'm like, yeah, but you know, cu-. I'm like, no. no, no, not happening.
1: No, not today, or or not tomorrow. <laughs> no. Call, me back. Call me back when you got that figured out, okay?
0: Yeah, when you get that uh, money right, let me know, and I'll I'll be there.
1: Yeah. We don't, we don't do uh nos, but uh, we do notice stupidity. Sometimes you have to just say, no, just right. say no. Okay. And walk away. Just say yeah. no. Um, I know you also had some issues. If I remember right, you talking about it with Holly Holmes, right? Getting that.
0: Well, we didn't have, we really didn't have any issue with, I mean, we were offered the fight. We took the fight. Um, and again, this was before I ended up getting with coach Bradley. So this is when I was with Harold, Harold Cook. We had just gotten together the week before and again, we were like, okay, you know, let's, let's take the fight, get her name out there. Um, I didn't know much about her and they, they fly us out a day and a half before the fight. That was it. Now, anyone that knows Albuquerque, New Mexico understands 5,000 feet above sea level. Of course I didn't really know for real what that did to your body um yeah we got out there i felt good um and anyone that goes and youtubes it and i know after people watch this they'll because that's that's what everyone always comes up i saw you fall holly home i'm like uh yeah if that's what you want to call it <laughs> i just kept getting back up um because honestly it never hurt every time i got yeah. hit it never hurt it was the equilibrium that was off one from the flight two from the elevation yeah and um i was i and i could not for the life of me figure out why i kept falling down cuz it was just like yeah. just like that and i'm like i'm going down I'm like what and i didn't realize how bad the equilibrium was from all of that yes makes um, a big would, difference yeah i would have given anything for a, a rematch for that i did reach out her um promoter and I never heard back from them, Um, and then I, you know just never got the chance. But it, was, it just kind of went full circle because I I fought Anne Marie Saccarado, um, love her to pieces, yeah. Uh, you know, and then I watched her fight Holly, of course. So, you know, the world of boxing—it's you know—it's a tricky one. It, it's kind of a love hate relationship. Exactly. Um, you know, I still to this day love it, but yeah. there, you know, when we were all going through it, there was there was a you know it left, it left a lot to be desired sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, it sure, it sure did. Um,
1: so, uh, walk us through your first, um, WBE title victory in
0: 2007. Well, that was 2005, Our five uh, five. 2005 and, uh, the WBE belt was mainly fought for in, in Europe. Yeah. And so they had an opportunity, there was a promoter, um, out of Greensboro who said, Look, we've got an opportunity to host the WBE title here in the United States. Um and I looked at it and saw a couple notable names of, of men who had fought for it. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, it may it's not the WBC, but it it's a it's start." A step. Yeah. It's, it's a step. step. And so it was gonna be at the time they had me ranked number one. And um I said, Well I don't, you know, I don't want just anybody. I want one of the top top five at least. So Carrie flock was actually number three. And we, uh, so we set the fight for that. And, uh, it was April 16th of 2005. And I only remember the date all the time because it's actually my best friend, Paul Marinaccio was his birthday that day. Nice. And so we fought and again, it's the whole disparity of the financials. She wanted $3,500. They only had $4,000 to put towards a purse and they're like, here's the bad part. You know, if you want to do this, um, we can only pay you 500 bucks. Well, I wanted the opportunity to win it, win the the title and try to use it as a stepping stone for, you know, things in the future. So I agreed, I agreed to it. And, um, you know, luckily I always say, luckily I won because had I lost and only made 500 when she made 3,500, I would not have been happy yeah no um but yeah all we, the
1: things we used to do
0: for fights oh absolutely absolutely uh carlette Ewell uh was on that card as well and uh she fought for i think it was a heavyweight title it might have been a light heavyweight at that time mine was at uh 160 for middleweight and yeah. um and she won as well but i i always we always razz each other she'll say she was the first african African-American world champion in North Carolina. And I'm like, yeah, but I was the first female world champion.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Yeah. There's, gotta, we're, good,
0: so we're good friends. So, I mean, we just, yeah,
1: i yeah, I talk to her too uh, all the time on social media. She's awesome. Awesome. Um, Mad chat. I think I'm missing some of your comments. Let's see. Um, no quit, never give up WTF. I don't know. Oh, you're talking about when we were talking about the crap that, uh, with the weigh-ins and stuff, probably I would imagine, um, you were the B side, I'm assuming you meant, but yes, um, 99% of the time, uh, both her and I were the B side. I think pretty much actually every time, as a matter of fact, I don't think I was ever the A side, um, young, dumb, and I wanted to fight. That's yep. That's hundred percent the facts right there. Trending up after a loss uh do we think that women's boxing will be three minute rounds in the future not anytime
0: soon it, it won't be until they get on board with increasing the pay to match the amount of time in the ring and yep. they're just they're just not there yet they might do it you know for the might do it for someone like yes, yeah for a big fight and you know it's it's funny because When I first started boxing, uh, one of my first ones in North Carolina was against a girl, um, who was doing very well in the United States in boxing. She happened to live in North Carolina and she had, I think 10, 12 bouts when I fought her and she was, I don't know, my second or third bout. And, um, uh, she ended up, we, we ended up, I did two fights that were actually three minute rounds. Because North Carolina hadn't, they didn't know yet for women. Cause they really had, didn't have many bouts in North Carolina. They didn't know whether to do it the same as the men or not. So they just said, well, we'll just go follow the same rules as what the men have. And so, uh, we fought three minute rounds. Yeah. I had, um, my,
1: actually my very last fight, um, that I had before I got pregnant with my second child and retired after that, but. They didn't, I don't know, I guess the commission and the people doing the time didn't know that there was two-minute rounds in women's boxing. But, like, where have you been? Like, I don't know. That's always been a thing. Uh, it wasn't brand new. Like, they just switched it up. But the first two rounds of my fight were three minutes. And, you know, you know, you know. I mean, I trained three minutes with a 30-second rest. So, I mean, yep. we trained that. And I, I don't know any female fighter that doesn't train three-minute rounds. But um you definitely know when you're in a fight when it's not two minutes um and i every time i sat down in the corner i'm like that was not too like that was not two minutes <laughs> yeah that yeah, felt like
0: five minutes um well,
1: and then the second we all round, have
0: those we have those internal timers any boxer yeah. had internal timer and you and was, know you just know and i'm like
1: this is not right and so finally um chris my husband who was training me after the second round, he's like, we went back out. He was over at the, you know, the table, and he's like, "What the hell are you guys doing? Like, there's no way, like, you're, well, nobody told us, like, we didn't know. We saw. Was... So then they put the last two rounds at two minutes. So then they had to call the fight a draw because, well, we didn't even fucking fight the. It wasn't even the right fight. Like they messed up the whole thing, and they knew they messed it up, so they just made it a draw, because they messed up the time. So, yeah, that was a fun one, too, because then, of course, I got this draw on my record and I'm just like, like, because you messed up, like we can start over and just redo it. I don't know, something. Um, But, yeah, yeah, I don't think anytime soon, um, unfortunately, it's not going to happen until they're ready to pay us equal to the men. And I don't see them doing that anytime soon. Yes, it's getting better today, way, way, way better than what I made um, in my day but nowhere near where it needs to be to um, be fighting the three-minute rounds unless they're going to compensate us for it right um right. yes everybody please like share and subscribe uh Fook, i don't know what you mean if you, unless you were trying to say a bad word but you can say we can say the bad words over here lol yeah, um, yeah. it's this we we talk to talk and walk the walk over here we can say whatever we want on my show um moving on though, Chad, I hope I answered all your questions. Peace ladies, off to get some shut eye. Much respect, Chad. you must be from somewhere where the diff different time zone. Thank you for tuning in. Hope to see you again next week. Thank you, Chad. Um, yeah so in 2010, I think we're moving on. in 2010 is where you were supposed to have the WIBF WIBA world titles. Uh, but unfortunately the opponent had some issues.
0: Yes, yes. She, did. she did. Um, so the backstory to Carlette, Ewell, and I coming together to fight for the titles. Um, we had always been really good friends. She would come from Winston-Salem, spar with me, I'd go up there. I mean, it's just what we did to help each other get ready for fights. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, all the time. It was almost every other week we were traveling to, to work with each other. And got along great. And then all of a sudden something shifted in the dynamic and, you know, unfortunately, as it turns out, it was other people behind the scenes talking in her camp's ear, yeah, saying that I was saying stuff and, and anyone that knows me knows that's just not me. It's not my personality. I'm always, I've always been very professional. Um, I just don't talk junk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even during press conferences and stuff um when you know f- with holly holm people were like man was eerily quiet well because i just don't have a whole lot to say like i'm gonna do what i gotta do in the ring i don't have any reason to. yeah have you to- just let your fist do the talking instead of your mouth and yeah and so it became a thing to where you know like she wasn't coming around anymore it was then, then i see online where she's starting to talk some crap and i'm like i just don't understand what's going on and why and it, i mean it was a, probably a couple of years and wow. I was like, okay. And finally, um, you know, you could see that it was people trying to kind of do this in-state title. So and to me, I don't know if it was because they want to make sure whoever won it was going to still be from North Carolina to claim North Carolina had the, you know, the, the champion for these two titles. Right. What I, I mean, I'm like, look, if you think if you got a beef with me and you you're not even going to come and ask me, which by the way, all of that was resolved. I mean, it was never her um and she knows it was never me. And we yeah. are we are good to go. That that's my sis. That's just other people trying to start some drama for no reason. Right, which I mean, we know happens still today in the world of boxing, okay. you, know, you know. Um and it was unfortunate, but thus came the fight um and and i mean even then it was for a while it was kind of nasty like you know i'm gonna beat her ass all this other stuff you know she was saying to me she's gonna if she's gonna talk to i'm like that was like i
1: didn't say anything
0: yeah but i'm like okay i mean this is gonna be what it is so i trained my ass off um i was ready to go i was on point with weight and uh, the day before the bout I, we get start getting calls that we don't know if she's going to make weight. And I'm like, well, you know, what do you mean? Like we've been training like this about with for this for a few months. Right. And, um, you know, and of course I didn't know where her, what her weight was and stuff. And we, we had a catch weight. Um, it was for a light heavyweight, but yeah. she was already heavyweight and I was coming up from middleweight. Right. So we had it. we had a catch weight and uh as it turns out she had tried to lose so much weight so fast and struggled was trying to do everything that she could and she went into renal failure oh my god and uh you know it was, was not good um no. she was in the hospital um and she tried bless her heart she she tried right up until the you know during the the day of but she, uh, or no, that day before late, but ended up getting put in the hospital. They're like, she's in the hospital with renal failure. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and Terrible. because, I, because I had made weight then by default, it was, you know, she could make weight. It was an, you know, interim titles. Um, not the way I wanted to have them, you know, at all. And I ended up having to just, we found another person. We did an exhibition, um, and yeah. Then other things just happened in life, and and I moved back up to New York where I'm at now. Um, and uh, that just kind of ended the career because there wasn't anything close as far as me being able to you know work out. Yeah, uh, on a day on a day to day basis, anyway, I'd have to travel like an hour and a half just to you know go to a, a decent gym. At that point, exactly. yeah, uh, that's always
1: hard. I know when I transferred from um Jesse Torres gym the first time I w- went to Windy City gym the original Windy City gym in Chicago when it was a real gym like probably the one you're talking about where it looked like it was going to fall down inside the building yeah. um and you it just reeks when you walk in like old you know you know the gym they don't yeah. make them like that anymore they do not make them like that anymore um that was the real deal gym um but yeah yeah good times good memories there um, absolutely so um, you are now a two-time Hall of Famer. You got the Marine Corps Hall of Fame in 2017, and then 2021, of course, the IW, or the Inter- International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame. Um,
0: tell us about those phone calls and what that meant to you. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, I'm sure you can understand when you got your phone call. Yes, um, I can. And congratulations on that, by Thank the way. Thank you, and you as well. Thank you. Um, when i got the one for the marine corps um i i think obviously that was the one that was probably the most shocking because first of all you know my my boxing you know though i gave it everything i had always laid it on the line um you know the wb is a minor bell um the other two were the interims and then to um get a call like that i was like wait like i thought it was a joke because honestly um when i got the call he goes well it's the induction is on april 1st i'm not even i can't even make that up april 1st april fools so i thought it. i thought it was a joke until he kept yeah. talking and i was like this guy's like he's he's being real like <laughs> i'm getting inducted into the marine corps boxing hall of fame i'm like right. how does that even work when i wasn't even and he was telling me that it, nothing had been finalized yet but it looked like everything was going to be finalized And I couldn't say anything for almost like a month Yeah, um, until they announced it. And I was like, okay. And then I started kind of looking at it and realized that, uh, you know, Ken Norton was a world champion and a Marine. Leon Spinks, Tooney, like all these big time male boxers were Marines that were world yeah. champions. And I'm like, so it, that then it made it even that much more special to me. Special. Yeah. And when I went for my induction in 2017, um, I'll never forget. Cause Leon Spinks was there. And during, uh, I wanted to get his autograph mm-hmm. and the, the master, master gunnery Sergeant came over and he goes, Hey, he goes, Hey, Bonnie he goes, um, can you come over here? Leon, uh, uh, would like to have you sign a picture, and I'm like, "What?" He goes, "He would like your autograph." I'm like, "Words you just never think you'd ever, ever you could never fathom." Right. To me, I right. could never fathom that Leon Spinks would want me to sign something like yeah. I, I. And I t- looked at him, I said, "Well, I want his." <laughs> right. Goes, Come on, bring a picture. Can we trade? Like, can we trade? Yeah. So I had pictures and um, I took one over. He he, uh, signed a a glove for me and I signed a picture for him. And there was uh, another gentleman there that worked at the Pentagon. And he goes, well, I'm going to take your picture. Uh, He wanted a picture signed. I signed it. He goes, I'm going to take your picture and I'm going to put it up in my office at the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. Yet another thing that you never could imagine you would hear. He goes, I only have two pictures of boxers up in my, in my office at the Pentagon. He goes, it's Leon Spinks and yours. And I was just like, it kind of hit me at that moment, like the magnitude and, yeah. and, and then just the gratitude that I felt at that point that I was even thought about, um, yes. to go in and then the call, uh, the notification from Sue Fox that I was being, being inducted into the international women's boxing hall of fame, um, that one, you know, special for different reasons because it's a sisterhood. Um, we all went through a lot of shit together, um, especially pioneers, um, to, to go through what we did because, you know, most people don't even realize that we were in there during the time when world championships didn't even exist. Yeah. We, we we had to get into the women's uh, u.s nationals first and have so many of those before so many countries could be involved before they could then go on and have world championships and then mm-hmm. to eventually get to where they could be considered for the olympics right and um you know i'm i'm very proud to say that you know we're we are a part of that group that was able to do that right um exactly. so to you know to be mentioned with some of those women and and to go there and be on that stage um i you know and and until you experience it like you have it's uh, surreal it's I'm surreal still, i am still trying to soak it all in yeah you you can't even you, you can't even really describe it matter of fact i still have this is from yeah. my, this is from my year there you go there you go yeah and uh there's yeah. me
1: yeah you're you're on there somewhere yeah right. um well well i still have one wrapped too i have yeah, still, i, still, I, have, I still, have another one that's not open that still has the candy in it and everything
0: yeah i and still have it? that and then all the names are on the back yeah. and and i, I have I, one that i do have one that's unwrapped but i that's the one that i have wrapped Yes. Matter of fact, here's two of the posters. I still haven't even undone them yet because I want to get them framed. They're going to go in my, yeah. See, they're going to go in my new office of the new gym uh, that we're building right now that should be ready in about three and a half, four weeks. Yes. That was actually my next
1: question. Uh, So after retirement, you decided, you know, we got to keep the love of boxing going and flowing in our life and taking on being a trainer and now
0: a coach trainer and a gym. Yes. So, you know, I've, I've always been into fitness. I've been a certified personal trainer, uh, for decades. And when I moved back up to New York, um, I went, you know, got the, the gym that I was at, they didn't have anything for boxing in this area. I asked if we could put some stuff up and create classes. They said, yes, we did that. Then I became a director at the YMC, the local YMCA here uh, for six and a half years with the health and wellness department. And I put a program in there. We ran it there uh, for several years. And now I'm the general manager of Jim's gym in Elmira, New York. And uh, Jim and I started out, I started going down in 2010, 11, doing CrossFit and He had a boxing ring in his place, uh, as well as the guy that ran it. They were doing, um, USA boxing shows and, and, um, a few, Jim always said, Hey, at some point we're going to work together. And I said, yeah, I feel that too. Well, fast forward to the pandemic, things kind of changed and we started talking. And he's like, would you consider coming down and just running some boxing classes if we got a place put up here, which was at his new new location? I said, yeah, I I would do that. I still, I'm going to stay at the Y, but I would still run some classes. Well, kind of the hours weren't going to match with the kids being home during the pandemic and stuff. So we started talking, I said, I think now's the time for the change. And he realized he needed a general manager. And I said, okay, well, I'll come on as a general manager. Well, the pandemic slowed down our progress to be able to put in a gym, you know, two and a half years later. And we, we used a makeshift area for that. Um, but now the brand new 10,000 square foot facility, um, awesome. is, uh, the floor should be going in in about a week and a half. And once that's in um, everything else is, is pretty much just about there, but it's been slow progress, but now it's kind of steamrolling and I just, uh, the owner uh, and I just put the full order in for the ring and all the equipment yesterday and uh, not long, not long. It's it'll be here in about within about four weeks. We'll be up and running in the, in the new spot with all the new stuff. So I'm going to deck out my, my office with all the posters and yeah. And stuff. all your posters and all your, your plaques and your belt. Yeah. And yeah. Plaques. I've got a lot of stuff that's over here. That's, that's in my house that, uh, is up like my Leon Spinks and my Carmen Basilio, which anyone that doesn't know, doesn't know about Carmen Basilio, they should go. He's from an up, upstate New York, uh, boxer back in the day. Um, and that's the, he, he's part of the reason why the hall of the international boxing hall of fame is here in Canastota, New York, which is only two hours from me Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, fine, obviously f- finally, uh, glad to see women getting into the international boxing hall of fame. But I, I still, as much like, as I like that, I really am just more in love with the fact that, you know, we have our own. Yes. Yes. Um, I still feel like
1: that, um, women's boxing and men's boxing should be two separate leagues. It should be its own entity
0: and run by women. No, I, I agree. And what Sue Fox has done is nothing short of, you know, amazing and a miracle. And, you know, God oh, yes. bless her for yes. her and Wanda Countess and, you know, Stephen blaia and, and Eddie and all, everyone has been yes. involved, like without that group, um, And, you know, starting down down in Florida to, you know, now, um, there, to me, there's just nothing like it. And, and people, you know, people should come to the event and get to experience the love and the joy and the passion and excitement that we all get for that, you know, a couple of days. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it's funny
1: because I say this every single week, but Sue, we love you. We, we talk about Sue every single week on the show, but that's just because of how phenomenal she is. And she's always been there for every single one of us from day one, all the way through. And without her, nobody would even know if women's boxing existed. Uh, so again, thanks Sue every week. We're going to talk about you. Cause every fighter wants to talk about you. Cause you're amazing. Uh, but yes, Everybody, if you want to, yes. Um, anybody, if you do um, the upcoming, it'll be the 25th anniversary um, and then the 10-year anniversary. Um, so we're celebrating two anniversaries for the inductions this October. Um, I don't, I'm don't. i pretty sure she's already released the tickets for sale. Um, she has. Yeah. Um, so, yes, if you guys, and there's going to be a whole lot of uh, prior people, I think she's, I, From the sounds of it, she may have invited every single inductee back. Plus, you're doing 2023 and 2024 inductees will be there. So, it's going to be huge. So, if you guys have ever wanted to go meet some of the female um, generations and champions and amazing, like, all-time greats, uh, that's the place to do it this year for the um, anniversary. So, uh, check out WBAN.com and get you some tickets before they're sold out um so the book we kind of talked about the book we already kind of touched on some tidbits of the book um for those of
0: that were interested in the book can you tell people where they can buy your book uh sure a couple different ways they can literally just go to pullingeachotheralong.com and they can find it there they can go to amazon um we actually just won an award um i think it's over on the other side but it, it's listed if you go to our website it's listed but we did just get an award for the mo one of the number one um most motivational books um that's out there because there's a lot of people really what it's about is who helped pull us along for each of us that are in this book it's real easy read it's 31 chapters but who helped pull us along to our relative greatness and we don't say that with arrogance it, it's it's very much with just being very humble about who helped us for me, it was my whole team. I mean, it took a whole team. It wasn't just one person. It wasn't me. Um, but there's Paralympians in there. There's, um, Ava page, one of my favorites. She's a, a country artist, singer songwriter who, um, you know, not to give away her story, but, uh, was diagnosed with cancer as a teenager. She is, you know, now, uh, in remission cancer-free, um, her story of how that happened, Dick and Rick Hoyt, um, there's so many, but it's 31. They're all very am- amazing, inspirational stories. Um, like I said, easy read, but that that's where you can get it, or you can reach out to me. I do ship them out. You know, I uh, I have I I probably have a good I don't know about 20 left, but I'm very fortunate in the fact that the main author of this lives right here in Corning, where I live. You can just and- get some more. And i can always go to him and get more to ship them out um yeah yeah well i
1: know i can't wait to get uh, to read mine so um there you go guys um for those of you interested in the book that's how you can get your hands on it um i think we pretty much covered most of like your controversial stuff most of the bs stuff um like the main stuff just to kind of give people a little bit of idea i always try to throw some of that in there um What is like your, what is like, you do a lot of motivational speaking. So I guess what would be your overall ending message that you would give to like all the young ladies up and coming, wanting to get into the sport of boxing, um, with any kind of past for that matter, but just what would be a good message you'd like to give to them listening?
0: You know, if, if you want to get in boxing, don't let anyone tell, you no. I mean, we, I got told no a lot or criticized or ridiculed. You're too old. You're. You know what, if it's if it's something you want to do, and I don't care if it's boxing, if it's writing a book, it, whatever it is, go for it. What do you have to lose? You, no. you know, the only thing you have to lose is not accomplishing a goal if you don't try. Yeah. So no matter what your obstacles are, um, find a way around it. There's always a way Absolutely. around it. And, and yeah, it takes work. It takes dedication. It takes surrounding yourself with good people that will support you and, yeah. and help move you forward. Um, so surround yourself with good people. If you're getting into boxing, do your research on, you know, what gym you're going to, who's going to be working with you. Um, you know, try not to get into that same position that we found ourselves in where, you know, there was only one person that we thought we could go to and they were just trying to maybe make money off of us. Um, but you know, find someone who really cares about you that wants to really train you and help. Um, put you, d- d- don't go to someone who's just going to tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. Cause that doesn't exactly. work. No, that
1: doesn't exactly. work. No, it does not at all. Um, all right. I mean, is there anybody, um, special that you want to send a shout out to before we, um, wrap it up for today?
0: Uh, well, you know, all the, the past, uh, former boxers, obviously that would, you know, even like Barbara Butcher, you know, those people yeah. without them, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't have had the chances we had, um, okay. all of those that are out there now that are currently fighting, you know, the Serrano's and the bum and Kaylee, Kaylee Reese, and all those fighters, and the ones that are up and coming. I met, you know, so many, uh, amateurs. Yeah. Uh, out at the, uh, the inductions two years ago. Um, wow. some wow. that I still follow on Instagram. They're awesome. Like those yeah. young
1: ladies, that, like
0: how many there are. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. Like keep going. Um, shout out to my kids, Gayberry I know they're not watching right now. They should be in bed, getting ready to go to school. But, um,
1: I yeah,
0: so yeah, really, uh, just all, all the people that have always supported me throughout anything I've ever tried to do, uh, including my current, uh, employer, you know, Jim yeah. and my friends, Robin and, and all those that always have my back. I mean. I think that's, that's what we're kind of forgetting in this time and age is, you know, we all kind of need to be there for each other and help lift each other up. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Um, well, once again, I want to thank you so, so much. I know you're so, so busy and you got so much stuff going on right now, but it is such an honor to have you on my show. Um, you and so many others, like I'm like so touched when I reach out to people and they're like, eh, well for you, I will. And I'm like, man, that hits home. Like, that means so much to me i can even just remember when we went to the inductions and i was talking to the brief moment that i got to talk to christy martin um when i bought her book and took the photo with her because i bought the book and had her sign the book and i was like oh we got to take a picture and she's like girl i know who you are and i'm like what like you knew me before like just hearing my name today you
0: like- mean this book this book right here yes it's right here There you go.
1: See, yes, Christy. Shout out to Christy Martin. But yes, um, I about like, I about lost it when, um, and I've talked to her since then about being on the show. Um, but yes, nice. uh, I about lost my, about lost myself when she said she actually knew who I was. Um, before that, because I don't know, like you know, it hits home when somebody like you know, like to me, like an icon in the sport and. You know i was after them and they're like i know who you are and i'm like how do you know who like me are you sure you're not yeah. talking about that one over there like <laughs> um but it it really i'm so humbled and honored and um it means the world to me especially how many people have been like and eh, i don't really do interviews anymore but for you i will that like is like the best like i get so tickled inside when i hear that so i appreciate you taking the time to spend with me today i can't wait to meet you in october i'm so Absolutely. looking forward to that yeah. um yeah so um i am going to have eric pull you um i mean you're welcome to hop off now if you got stuff to do if you want to sit in the back i'm just going to close out the show and then i'll be back there it's totally up to you um but i'm having pull you in the back and you can sign off if you need to um and i'm going to finish out the outro of the show all right thank you all right thank you All right, everybody, Queen B, Bonnie Mann in the house. Um, Thank you again so, so much, everybody. I don't think you quite understand how much it means to me. You guys joining me every week, spreading the love, telling everybody to come join me here, growing um, our viewers on the show. It means so much to me. I put a lot of work and, and effort into this show, Um, writing out um, every show each week. Um, I do put a lot of time and effort into it. So I appreciate you guys giving me the time to come and listen to it live if you can and commenting in the comments because it makes for such a great show when you take the time to comment. Um, Even those that come and can't watch it live and watch it afterwards, ask questions in the comment. Uh, My guys in the back always make sure they send me the comments so that I can respond in case I don't see them. So um, I will always respond to every one of you um again thank you so much for joining me tonight on no punches pulled with no mercy i really hope everyone enjoyed the show uh please please once again remember to like share and subscribe below um so you get reminders spread the word keep telling everybody keep sharing um my posts every week about who's going to be on the show so we can get more people in here get more people involved um they have also added a special donate button down below um, not necessary, but you can donate directly to me, which would help out with the show if you are feeling so generous. Um, but again, not necessary. But I do want to make sure that you are following me on all my social media platforms, Brooke, No Mercy, Deerdorf, Millbrook, and then my podcast page is separate. Of course, you know the name, No Punches Fold with No Mercy on all social media platforms. Um, Once again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in with me tonight. I will see you all again, same time, same place next Tuesday at 830 Eastern Standard Time with the next special episode of No Punches Pulled with No Mercy. You don't want to miss it. But remember, until then, punch hard. Nothing else matters. Bye.